You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Oh, wow, there's a rabbit running down my street. Um, I do like, by the way, how amused you are that there was a rabbit in your backyard. You should really come up to the country sometime. Ellie. <laughs> no, it was on the street. It was running down the street. <laughs> I saw a fox run across the street today, Elliot, where I live. You should really come up here every now and then. You can come on, wander up. Wild turkey and bears. and. <laughs> I bet you my neighborhood rabbits would kick the ass of your neighborhood foxes. Where this is, We live in a really tough neighborhood here. Oh, you do, eh? Okay. Well, we have bears uh, not too far away from us, Elliot. So anytime you want to send your, also your, your rabbits up here, you go right ahead. Some of our wild turkey around the corner. Could probably handle your rabbits. Nonetheless, we uh, we move on. Another wimpy animal. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot, did you hear the news? We get a hockey game on Saturday night. Welcome to Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast presented by the GMC Canyon AT Four X. Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, and Emil Delich. And yes, the Dallas Stars. Thank you, thank you, Dallas. We get to watch hockey on Saturday night. Elliot Friedman. Uh, it took overtime. Joe Pavelski. Who else? Dallas Stars win. Final score, 3-2. Here Ottinger looked good. Aiden Hill looked good again. Eichel looked good again. But Jason Robertson, a force in this one. Your thoughts on game four? I actually thought the biggest story of the game was Ottinger. He had a really rough game three. Uh, I don't know if you saw him in the off day between games three and four. He looked really rough and he sounded really rough. We talk so much about emotions. Can you bring us to the emotions sitting on that bench seven minutes in with a ball cap on and then the process of trying to get yourself to a good spot for tomorrow? Yeah, you pretty much, you know, feel like you want to cry. You know, it's it's obviously, you know, put your whole season into this and you want to play your best in these moments and when you can't do that for your team and, you know, for your fans, it's uh, one of the worst feelings in the world. So it's... Uh, it's part of the position, you know. This is uh, when people say, you know, the ups and downs, this is the down. So, um, you know, I, uh, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to stop believing in myself. So I, uh, I'm going to go out there tomorrow and, and 
put it all on the line and put my best foot forward. We've talked to you every series about bouncing back. You said he wouldn't give up, but it was very clear that he was a bit shaken. And, you know, Jeff, the amazing thing about both of the games four, the way that Florida started against Carolina, the Panthers could have won that game eight to nothing. And Freddie yeah. Anderson held in Carolina and got it to at least 1956 of the third period. In this game, again, Vegas scores early. Ottinger actually, too, like right off the opening faceoff, they shot it from their own blue line, the Golden Knights did, and he had to freeze it, Ottinger, and Kelly looked at it and goes, I don't like that. So, and then it didn't look great, and then he made one huge save behind the net. He had an exchange with his own defenseman that didn't go well. It led to a great chance for Mark Stone. That was about six minutes in. When he did that and made that save, I thought it really turned the game around. I thought Dallas found their legs. The building got into it a bit, and they finally got going. So to me, as good as Robertson was, and he was really good, yeah. the story was Ottinger. Because, again, that game could have gone 8 nothing for Vegas. And when he found his legs, they found their legs. And we had a really good, entertaining hockey game. You know, I thought when uh, when Carlson tipped that Riley Smith pass uh, right past Ottinger, I thought, I mean, we the same way. Uh-oh, here we go again. Vegas scores early. Here come the wind out of the sails. This is going to be a repeat of what we've seen recently. But good on the Dallas Stars for very much hanging in there. You know, we're going to get to the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes in a second. But, you know, one little bit of symmetry here. Uh, I don't think... You know, I think you and I are on the same page about this. We didn't like the Jordan Stahl overtime penalty yep. uh, in that Florida Panthers-Carolina Hurricanes game, but uh, Braden McNabb with the high stick on Ty Delandria, that opened the door for the Dallas Stars to jump back into this series and force a game five. Thoughts on that one? They haven't always been successful, but they have tried to call that high stick all playoffs. We've seen a lot of those calls. Yeah. And... You know, I had a friend who was down in the game in Dallas tonight, and he sent me a note that you could see on television, if you weren't in the arena, that those officials were unsure. I don't know if one of the linesmen called it or what really happened, but he said to me that they played it on the video board. And he said the game ops people for Dallas should get a, a puck like a game puck for that <laughs> because he said he thought it influenced the entire crowd and then the officials. It's funny. Like there was a game this year and people listening to this will remember this. I don't remember the exact circumstance, but it was a Toronto Boston game where something happened that got shown on the video board and it influenced the call. It, it helped the Bruins. The game was in Boston so it happens sometimes. In theory, it's not supposed to happen. I remember we were doing a playoff game in Philly once. It might have actually been the 2010 Stanley Cup final. And there was a call the referees were trying to sort out. And in Philly, they played it on the video board. And it influenced the call. I remember the league got a little annoyed at that because they said, you're not supposed to do that. And so I mentioned that to the Flyers, and they say, hey, they said basically, like, we're the Flyers. You can't stop us from doing anything. <laughs> so that was their reaction. So I guess if you can get away with it, you can get away with it. Okay, I'm dying to say this to you. As soon as it happened, I said to myself, I'm going to say this to Elliot on the podcast just to hear him groan. I'm going to say something dumb right now, and I don't care. I just want to hear your reaction. 
You know what I thought on that high stick? Okay. I thought that Ty Delandria was making the case inadvertently against playoff beards. Did you see him go to the official and try to like pull apart his beard oh. to try to show where there's a cut? <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I don't care. Listen, it's late at night. I've watched a lot of hockey this year. So have you. We're all uh, a little bit fried. We just watched a really good game and had some fun. I just thought I'd throw something dumb out at you just to gauge your reaction. And you know how much I love annoying you about goofy hockey stuff. I am impressed by your dumbness. Let me just say that. I am impressed by your dumbness. Rising to new depths and sinking to new heights. That's what I wanted to say on my business card. Rising to new depths and sinking to new heights. No Jamie Benn in this one. Two-game suspension um, for the cross-check on Mark Stone. And I thought that was a gutsy effort. It was. Like a, a real gutsy effort by the Dallas Stars. No Dodonoff in this game either, but gutsy effort by the Dallas Stars. You know, I was hoping he would play Maverick Bork just because I wanted to see it. Like, I'm not arguing with the Bork here. Yeah. He's got to do what he thinks is right. I wanted to see it, but they put in Olison, yep. who had one goal all year and hasn't played since April 6th, and the guy almost won it at the end of regulation. He sure did. That would have been... When I tweeted out that Olison was taking line rushes, I had a couple Stars fans who tweeted at me like, "Are you serious? We're putting that guy in?" And he almost, yeah, he nice almost won it. Yeah. That would have been unbelievable. That that would have been great too. Listen, I I share the same feeling about Maverick Bark, but I always have to catch myself in like these high pressure. Like this is an elimination game. Yeah, I get it for the Dallas Stars. Like you and I don't have a hand on the wheel, so we're like, "Yeah, go Magic. Let's see if there's magic in Maverick Bork." If you're Peter DeBoer, you're not, you know, cheering for magic. You want to know what's happening when you throw someone over the boards uh, in an elimination game. You know what we're going to get here, Jeff? We're going to get Amal asking Dallas PR to send us a DeBoer quote. Stop telling us who to play. <laughs> That's right. Stick to broadcasting. I think that one was directed towards you, though, Elliot, if I recall correctly. Before we shut it down on Dallas, you know, you had a really beautiful piece this week with uh, Jacob Slavin, mm. and I know how personal that was for you. It was beautifully done. Thanks. And we had a piece tonight with Mason Marchman, and, yeah. you know, I just wanted to say that uh, Mason Marchman took some convincing to do this. Like, it's been almost a year now, and we did the interview right before the playoffs, but Brian and him were obviously very, very tight. And it's still hard for him. And Mason took some convincing to talk a little bit. He agreed to do two questions, which you saw in the interview. Yep. And he shared that the pendant and the necklace that he's, uh, he doesn't wear it during games, obviously, because he doesn't want anything to happen to it. But, you know, I just wanted to thank uh, him for agreeing to do that because it's not easy, obviously. And, um, you know, we just want to say we appreciate it. That's all. That was an excellent piece. And um, for those, if, if you didn't get a chance to watch it on the show, the uh, the link for it will be available in the in the 32 Thoughts podcast notes um, for this podcast. So make sure you get a chance uh, to have a look at that one. Meanwhile, the Florida Panthers yep. continue to roll. Barkov back. It's Kachuk. Binding Reinhardt. He's shot. And that hit iron, I think. Now, the point that I was trying to make to you on radio on Thursday was technically it was a sweep, but 
that series did not feel like a sweep. Who are you, Rod Brindamore? You know, that, that's the unfortunate part of this is he's going to look back and everyone's going to say he got swept. And that's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're, we're in the game. That, that, that we didn't get – we didn't lose four games. We, we got beat, but it's – you know – we were right there, and this could have went the other way, and this could have been four games the other way. And tonight, didn't it feel that way? Did it not feel that way to you, Elliot? It was a close series. Like, I mean, it was not a lopsided series. You, the historians will look back at that and say four nothing beat down. It was not a beat down. It was very, very thin margins. Very thin margins. Normally, when you have a sweep, there's usually like one game where it's like seven to two. Or six to one, right? Yeah. Not this one. This was close all the way through, but the uh, the Florida Panthers continue to roll here. And we're going to talk more about the Panthers in the in the days and weeks to come here, as this you know whatever this is that we're seeing right now continues. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on the Carolina Hurricanes. And listen, no Svechnikov, no Pacioretty. Those stories are well told. And now there's a lot of business for Don Waddell to do here in the off season. They have decisions to make on goaltenders, namely who's coming back uh, to play with Kachetkov, who we, I think, both believe is going to be on this roster next season. Yep. Jordan Stahl or Jesper Fast or Paul Stastny or Shane Gostisbehere. Like, there's a lot of decisions here uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. And there's also contracts that are one year out, most notably Sebastian Ajo. So if you're Don Waddell, where does it start? Well, I think it starts with Jordan Stahl because he's your captain. He's still a very big part of what you do. And during the season, the word was that it was going to get done. But I think it starts with Stahl. And the second place I think it goes is Ajo. And the League and the Players Association uh, met on Wednesday in New York. We didn't get any clarity on whether or not the cap is going to raise by more than a million. I know some teams are hoping it's going to go between and agents too, between one and a half and two, but we didn't get clarity on that yet. But like something like that would be big, obviously with Aho in a year for now. Does he sign? Does he wait? And the thing about the Hurricanes is, like they let Dougie Hamilton walk. They said the value he thinks he's going to get, we're not doing that. And that's also true for the goalies. I just don't see them overpaying to keep either Anderson or Ranta. They'll put their value on it, and if not, they'll move on. But there have been situations where they've bent a bit, and Svechnikov was one. He turned down their initial offer, and eventually they got to where they were. I have to think that when it comes to Ajo and Stahl, there will be room to bend a little bit more because they're such huge parts of the team. Like Stahl, he's not a signing that's going to break the bank, but Aho will be. Yep. And I think they'll be willing to be a little more pliable with Aho, but not too far. Like they have a limit. So when I think about the Hurricanes and the way they negotiate, I don't just think about what the player wants. I think a lot more of what the team wants because if there's a team that seems less inclined to buckle to pressure, mm -hmm. it's them. So I always ask, what is Dundon's limit? He puts the value on a player. How far does, is he willing to go? 
You know, what I do wonder about here is, you know, this is another year where we come away from the Carolina Hurricanes and this year specifically saying, this is a team that needs more goal scorers. This is a team that needs to manufacture more offense and goals are expensive and goal scorers make a lot of money for one very good reason. It's the hardest thing to do in the NHL. Now, I know it's getting easier because more guys are more trained and we've realized now you can coach for offense, you can coach for goals, but still the guys that score goals tend to get paid. Do you think that, and this would all have to begin right at the top with the owner, Tom Dundon, and go down to Don Waddell, et cetera, do you think that for Carolina, considering how close they got to the Stanley Cup final, are maybe coming to a realization that I know we have value attached to not just our team, but everybody in the league? Is it time maybe to bend on that and maybe overpay to quote unquote get the guy? Know what I mean? Well, one of the guys they lost was their own guy, Svechnikov, right? Yes. So he's coming back and he's locked in. You know what? I don't know that I see it. At some point in time, something's in your DNA. There's a way you run a team. There's your philosophy. And this is Carolina's philosophy. This is Dundon's philosophy. Now, the one thing I wonder is Pacioretty's health. He came back. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Yeah. I had heard that there'd already been some conversations and I, and there's differing opinions on how far down the road it went, but I think they were talking about keeping him. So I wonder if that conversation begins with Pacioretty. Interesting. Um, 34 years old. Now I know he's still got the shot and they need more game breakers, but an injury like that, a 34. Freakish athlete too, Jeff. No, I know. I get it. Ugh. Aging curves plus injury. We'll see. What do you make of the Florida Panthers at this point, Elliot? I know the headlines are dominated by Bobrovsky and Kachuk, and for good reason, yeah. Paul Maurice and, and what he's done to this team. But what do you make of the Panthers? Like, do, do we make sense of this yet? There's no flutes. NHL Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Branding Officer Brian Jennings will now present the Prince of Wales Trophy to the Eastern Conference Champion, Florida! I believe if you win 12 games and you get to the Stanley Cup final, you've earned your trip. They beat in the Eastern Conference the first place team, the second place team, and the fourth place team. Yeah. You want you want to talk about getting there the hard way? Like they took down heavyweights in the conference. <laughs> There's no easy series for the Florida Panthers here at all. It's amazing that they won the first one in seven. They won the second one in five and they won the third one in four. This is not a fluke. Like I said, they earned it. Bobrovsky, again, they get the rest. You know, it's become a storyline. Mm -hmm. Bobrovsky, can you get them refreshed? And if they've gotten any luck at all in this, aside from the odd bounce that goes here and there that every team gets, but the luck has been that, Bobrovsky's never been overly taxed. Like they've never had to worry about him getting exhausted like he does when he plays seven, eight, or nine games in a row. They've always had enough breaks between games or now between series where you don't worry about that. So everything's coming up Bobrovsky. I have a new nickname for him. Okay. I saw him, how skinny he looks when he's out of his gear mm -hmm. and how he has transformed back into the Vesna winner of old. 
Bruce Banner. When he's out of the equipment, <laughs> he's Bruce Banner. When he's in the equipment, yeah. he's the Incredible Hulk. Hulk! Smash! The gamma rays have hit him. Don't make him angry. You won't like him when he's angry. Is that what you're hinting at You won't at like here? him when he's angry. Yeah. I always keep coming back to this because I don't think that there's one way to play. I don't think that there's one way to win. I don't think that there's one way to construct the team. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really like what the Florida Panthers are doing here. Because in this era where we talk about homegrown talent and draft and develop, and that's the way you have to be successful. Like I, I hate hearing conversations like that because that's true until it's not. And you have a look at the Florida Panthers lineup. This is mostly trades, free agent signings, waiver wire. I mean, Barkoff's there. You know, he's a he's a drafted player. Anton Lundell is there. He's a drafted player. Aaron Ekblad is there. He's a drafted player. But after that, Elliot, this is all roster construction by whatever means you have available to you. Trade, signing, waivers, you name it. That's how this thing has all been put together. I honestly, I kind of get the feeling that there's almost, and I'm, I, I know you really have to squint maybe to see this point, but but work with me here. Yeah, there's almost like an expansion team vibe about this Florida Panthers team. Anthony Declare bounced around. Carter Verhage yeah. bounced around. Nick Cousins mm-hmm. bounced around. Gustav Forsling mm-hmm. bounced around. Brandon Montour mm-hmm. bounced around. And they've all found a home and a spot with the Panthers. Like I'm racking my brain trying to figure out why this works. Like I hate the conversation of there's only one way to make a successful team because what we're seeing with Florida here flies in the face of all of it, Elliot. I don't disagree with you at all. I think the one thing is, is that you have to have assets to trade that people will want. And they've traded away a lot of their draft picks, but Calgary has to like getting Huberto and Uyghur to make that deal for Kachuk, right? Yep. And there's a lot of revisionist history about that trade right now. There were a lot of people who thought Calgary really won that trade big. Oh, for sure. Like There were a lot of people who thought Calgary fleeced Florida. But you have to have things that people want to make a trade like that. Absolutely, you do. And, and you're right. Everybody was gaga for Jonathan Huberto, right? This is like, oh, Hart Trophy guy, 100 points one of the best passers slash playmakers in the game. What a fleece job by Treliving. And they got Mackenzie Weger. Holy smokes. Talk about buttering the bread on both sides. Look what Calgary just got. I'm with you. When a lot of people looked at this deal, they thought, wow, slam dunk for the Calgary Flames. So we will see what happens next. Uh, We mentioned this on radio. We had a brief chat about this, that no matter who the Florida Panthers face off against, this will be the all no-tax state Stanley Cup final, Elliot. We saw it before with Dallas and Tampa, but that was the bubble. But now we're getting all no-tax state final. One thing I'd like to say is people are arguing like, oh, the ratings will be bad. First of all, you're not getting the biggest markets every year. Like, you're just not. So your product has to be good. You know, the one thing I'll say to this is there's a lot of American-based fans out there who hate the Canadian fans because they think we're snobs of hockey. This doesn't count. No one wants to watch this. Florida versus Vegas or Dallas. This is not Puritan hockey. 
and maybe our ratings in Canada will be down because there's no Canadian team there. But if you ever want the opportunity to say to the Canadian fans, up yours, you've got one way to do it, and that's to watch this final. Like, if you want to show that you believe in growing the game, and uh, this is good for the NHL that Southern markets are playing for the Stanley Cup final, and it's kind of happened already, but, you know, this is probably the most Southern final ever. I mean, Dallas, Tampa Bay, that was in the bubble, so I don't know if it really counts as much. But if you want to show that this matters and you want to stick it to the Canadian hockey snobs, you better watch. You're never going to get more of an opportunity to do it. Never. I always find it hysterical. And again, I listen, I grew up in Canada. You're Canadian. You grew up here. So did Amel. And growing up, one of the things that I couldn't understand is why more people in different parts of the world didn't understand how great this game was. And I think a lot of, and I'll just focus on Canada here, a lot of Canadians felt the same way. This is the best game in the world. Why don't they appreciate it all over the world? Why don't they appreciate it in different states in the U.S.? Why is it you know so localized in the Northeast? You know, why aren't other places in America embracing hockey? It's this wickedly great game. It's fantastic. Well, now they have, and now we're upset about it. (laughs) You know, now there's, you know, now, now Florida has embraced hockey and we're upset about it. Now Texas has embraced hockey and we're upset about it. Now California has embraced hockey. We're upset about it. Nevada, Tennessee, et cetera. And I just laugh because of how many conversations I had growing up where we smugly looked at the United States and said, Psht, these guys don't appreciate hockey. They're dumb. Well, they get it now, and we're pissed off. We can't be happy about hockey, Elliot. I'm convinced we can't be happy about, about hockey up here. <laughs> you know, we're, we're pissed off because we haven't won in a long time. And yeah. I think you and I, we both do worry about the future of hockey in Canada. We do worry about that. That's another conversation I don't want to get into for another right day. now. We've done it on your day. show a couple of times. But, you know, either you like it or you don't. And like I said, if you want to stick it to the Canadian hockey snobs, here's your chance. Watch this. All right. On that, we will uh, hit our first pause here on the podcast. When we come back, the news, whether it is Kyle Dubas agent investigation, whether it is the NHL NHL Players Association meetings, whether it is action happening with the Buffalo Sabres and maybe the Nashville Predators, and I'm going to try not to do too much of a victory lap when I talk about Champions League here, Elliot Friedman. Oh my God. You know it's coming. More 32 thoughts in a moment. Hey guys, Liam from Chicago here. First time, long time. Uh, just gotta ask, where do you get your outro music from? It's nothing but hits. I love it. Send it to my buddies; they love it. And uh, you know, I just, I just didn't think you guys had it in you to, to keep pumping out those great songs. So, uh, is it Jeff? Is it Elliot? Is it Amal? Let me know. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. And Amal coordinates the music. That is so lame that you made Jeff read that so you could get credit. (laughs) Super lame. It's definitely not Elliot. 
Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Hey, it's Todd in Phoenix, and I wanted to call about Monday's pod. I have an 11-year-old, and Ellie gave Merrick grief over a Phil Collins reference. Kids today think Phil Collins is pretty great. My son asked me to turn it up whenever in the air tonight is on the radio. So I guess they keep up the good work, Jeff and Novel. So take that, Elliot Friedman. My references, although they may be dated, nonetheless, they still found a home. And uh, for your son, by the way, if he likes the song In the Air Tonight, there's only one thing better than that song, and that is the Cadbury Gorilla. Have you seen this? The Cadbury Gorilla and the In, in the Air Tonight commercial for Cadbury Chocolate, Elliot? I have not. That, before you go to bed tonight, is my gift to you. It's a cozy... I don't know, 90-second commercial for Cadbury to the opening of In the Air Tonight. It is pure joy. Uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast who's seen this commercial knows what I'm talking about. You haven't. Many haven't as well. That is my gift to you today on this podcast. Just go to YouTube and type in Cadbury Gorilla In the Air Tonight and think of your little buddy, Jeffy. Okay, news, Elliot. Time to get serious once again. So NHL Players Association investigating the situation uh, with Wasserman. Now, Wasserman is a uh, is an agency um, that represents hockey players, uh, most notably Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Roman Yossi, etc. They have agents like Judd Moldaver and Jeff Jackson and Dave Gagne. Now, at the other end of the building, let's just say, there's a group... Um, again, Wasserman, who represents Kyle Dubas, and that is Chris Armstrong. Now, it doesn't directly contravene Players Association rules, but there are some agents, and I got a couple of texts, and I'm sure you did as well, that said, hang on a second here. We have specific rules about this. How does this situation not contravene what we're not no, supposed no, to be I'm doing. I'm stopping you right there. I'm stopping you right there. They do not have specific rules about this because I looked into this the moment it happened where it got revealed that Chris Armstrong of Wasserman was representing Dubas. I got the same text. Like, this is a conflict of interest. And I looked into it basically the next day. And first of all, I want to say, Jeff, is that 
there were some people who thought that the Leafs did this. Like the Leafs were in some anti-Dubis, let's grind him into the ground campaign right. that we're going to turn him in for this. It, this is not the Maple Leafs doing this. As you said, this is agent-driven. Oh, yeah. Now, I will say to you, there are some agents who do feel very strongly about this, very strongly. But there are other agents who don't. Agenting is a really, really nasty business. They're always looking to get edge on the other one. It's extremely competitive. It's just as competitive as the games, to be perfectly honest. And if you go through the roster of NHL certified agents, you get some, as I said, who feel very strongly and some who don't. But by the NHLPA's own agent certification rules, mm -hmm. there is no violation here because Chris Armstrong is not a certified agent. If he was a certified agent to represent players, then he could not represent Kyle Dubas. But because he's not a certified agent, he can. Now, the argument here is... It's the same company. Yes. The argument here is whether or not the same company should be allowed to do it. And there are people who think that should be changed. That if you represent players... You can't represent GMs or coaches or anything like that. And as a matter of fact, when I was first breaking into the business was around the time the NHL rule was changed for that because that didn't used to be a rule among the Players Association, and now it is. Mm -hmm. Now, I did a little bit of work here, Jeff, because one of the things I looked into was what happens in other sports. Like, is this an NHL only thing or does this happen everywhere? And what I found out is in basketball, there's a, a massive agency called Octagon and Octagon has hockey players too, Yeah, yeah. but there's a massive agency Octagon. Their biggest client is a guy you may have heard of. His name is Steph Curry. But this year there's, there's a coach by the name of Quinn Snyder who took over the Atlanta Hawks during the season, Quinn Snyder hired Octagon to negotiate his contract. So in the NBA, this happens. Now, I will say this. I think the person he hired at Octagon is not someone who does players. So it's it's similar. Mm -hmm. In the NFL, I found one case, like the, one of the biggest agencies in the NFL is called Athletes First. I found one case where... They had an agent in their organization who represented both players and a coach. And the coach he represented was Matt LaFleur, who's the coach of the Green Bay Packers. So in the NFL, this happens. And it's even thinner lines or, or blurrier lines than the NHL. I checked Major League Baseball. I didn't find examples. Now, that's not to say that it doesn't happen or it can't happen but I didn't find examples. So I'll say this, because this is one of the things I looked into. Does it only happen in hockey and not elsewhere? It's quite the reverse, actually. But there are some agents who don't like it, and they think it should be that case. I just don't know where it goes. But as it's written, 
in the NHLPA's own agent bylaws, this was not illegal. Do you see then the Players Association perhaps changing their regulations for this or at least having that conversation? Like, what should we do with this? I don't know that. Look, we have a new executive director, Marty Walsh. Like, what does he think? Yep. I guess the next time we see him, we're going to ask him, but I don't really have a good answer for you. And as you mentioned, this was not the Maple Leafs trying to sabotage Kyle Dubas uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but um, we are still wondering, and it is a day-to-day watch here, what the latest is with the former Toronto Maple Leafs general manager. I think Pittsburgh is prepared to wait. Like, it's a long weekend in the States, Memorial Day. I think Pittsburgh is prepared to wait through the weekend to see how Dubas feels about this. I believe a chunk of the Fenway ownership is at the F1, so in Monaco, so they can get back and maybe finalize this. I still do think, if not Dubas, Matthew Darsh is in the picture. I don't know if there's anyone else. But I think Darsh is in the picture. Mm-hmm. Like I've said a couple of times this week, I think it's Dubas's job if he wants it. It's just obviously not closed yet. And I think some people have wondered if he's keeping one eye on Ottawa. I think we're getting really close to the end of that. I heard there was some movement on Thursday night. Look, if you've seen any of these stories about the Nico Sparks bid this week, I think that's just become an incredibly nasty process. Like just some of the mudslinging behind the scenes has been really 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 something mm-hmm. like it's i think that there's a there's a desire to get this closed as much because they want to stop sniping as much as they just want to get it closed to be honest with you you know what it kind of feels like right now and, and i'm with you like i i do wonder if kyle dubas is is waiting to see here what happens with ottawa and if there's a place for him with whichever group ends up being successful here but it does feel like and you've mentioned this a couple of times some of these bids are incredibly complicated. I had one person mention to me, you know, don't be surprised if this drags on to the next governor's meeting. Like we thought it would be all wrapped up by the time the governor's meeting was ready to go. One person said to me, you know, don't be surprised if this thing, you know, still continues. And I said, well, what happens then? And he said, we don't know (laughs) at that point. I think they're getting close. I heard Thursday night there was some movement. Now, I'm like you and those people that you've talked to as well. I I do wonder if he's keeping an eye on Ottawa here. And that's got to be a tricky dance because, as we've talked about before, I'm guessing there's only so far that Pittsburgh is, you know, willing to wait for Kyle Dubas to make his decision. And we'll see. Maybe a lot of this is just dependent on what happens with the Ottawa sale. We'll, We'll see where this one heads. To a couple of things around the NHL. Uh, This week, a meeting between the NHL and the Players Association front and center, the salary cap. No surprise there. Jeff, we don't have an answer on that yet. Um, You know, like I've said, there's some hope for some flexibility instead of a million, maybe one and a half, two, but we'll see. I heard it was definitely made very clear that the Coyotes are playing in mullet next year. Like if there was any doubt that that was the case, Mm -hmm. I think that was indicated. You know, some of the other things that may have been discussed, including increasing the schedule or the salary cap, I didn't sense there was any finality there. A couple of other things around the NHL. I think we're waiting on Nashville uh, and Barry Trotz to see what decisions are. I think that's getting close to a determination 
uh, one way or another. And I think Nashville has definitely considered its options. Mm -hmm. And I think they're at a point where they're going to let us know or let everybody know the way they're going. You know, the other coaching searches, Calgary, I think, is still obviously very early in theirs. I think Anaheim is continuing to do interviews. By the way, I want to mention, someone sent me a note that I said, Mike Babcock could be a contender in Anaheim. I never said that. I don't think he fits their profile at all. But I, I think Anaheim continues to do their interviews. And I heard it's possible they could be doing some at the Combine. I, I was asked the other day who could be first. And, you know, a lot of us thought it might be Columbus. I had someone say to me they think the Rangers could be moving closer to that list too. And Washington, I mean – you know, we, we kind of know the group there. I, I think Halpern was supposed to come into Washington next week. So unless that's changed, I'm not sure that they're ready to do it unless the, <laughs> the Carberry tour yeah. forces them to make a decision this week. So, I mean, we'll see. We should also mention Toronto. I believe Brad Tree Living has now been interviewed by the Maple Leafs, and I think there's more. I think there's a few names we haven't figured out here yet. But I, I would guess that among the other interviewers are going to be potentially Bergevin, Botterill, and uh, Shirelli. But I think there's more. I don't think those are the only ones. To the Buffalo Sabres quickly here, um, a little bit of business done by Kevin Adams, and that is the uh, the re-signing of Kyle Poso. He signs a one-year deal of $2.5 million for the Buffalo Sabres captain. I like the signing. Uh, I, I think Kyle Poso is va- valuable, completely valuable for that team. Also, uh, they signed uh, someone who's playing at the Memorial Cup for the Quebec Ramparts. That is Patrick Waugh's name, who you may be hearing mm-hmm. uh, by the time the Memorial Cup wraps up in various coaching searches. And that is Vasivalod Komarov. He is a, a defenseman they drafted last year in the fifth round. And also, I think a lot of people are starting to wonder what's going to happen with Ryan Johnson, the defenseman from Minnesota here, Elliot? Yeah, I had some fans who sent me some DMs saying, can you ask about Ryan Johnson? I did ask a little bit. Uh, and basically, the you know, the Sabres, if they don't get him signed, they get an extra compensatory draft pick. Second. In the second round, because he was a first-round pick. But someone told me that, you know, the Sabres – they seem to be confident that they can get this done. There's work to be done, and it sounds like they'll be content with whichever way this goes. They're very happy to get the player. If not, they're more than happy to get the pick. But there seems to be some confidence uh, with the Sabres that they can get this done. We will see. Okay. want to take this opportunity right now to congratulate uh, our colleague and friend, Anthony Stewarts. Yes. Uh, who was appointed the president of the Kitchener-Waterloo Siskins. That is a junior B team in Ontario, a legendary uh, junior B team. I mean, we've had uh, a lot of uh, alumni, whether it's uh, Don Beaupre or Don Ori or Jim Lorenz, uh, Tanner Pearson, he played there. John Mitchell, George Hainsworth, uh, Rosaire Paymonts. Uh, so a, a lot of relatively big names coming out of that organization. And by my count, I think Stewie has about 15 jobs now. He is officially the hardest working person in hockey, period. I don't think he has a peer. Uh, congratulations to our friend and colleague, Anthony Stewart. 
Just remember the little people, Anthony. <laughs> remember the little people. So when we get turfed, we'll be looking to you for a job, Stewie. Don't forget that. <laughs> okay, want to mention uh, this, and and when I, I got a note from a friend of mine in Finland uh, when the news first broke and sent it to me, and I was whoa, okay, well I I didn't see that coming, and this is. Now, by now, you probably had a peek at this online. The Champions Hockey League are introducing three rule changes next season. You might have heard about one of them, maybe on a podcast. So the first one, uh, this is essentially, well, this was the way it was in the NHL until it was changed when the Montreal Canadiens started filling the nets. Minor penalties will be dealt with the same as major penalties. Essentially, it's a two-minute major. So minor penalties will continue even if the opposition team scores a goal again historically the montreal canadians ended this rule because they would end games by going on the power play fill the net and the game was over that got it changed serving delayed penalties a minor penalty will be served even if a goal is scored while a delayed penalty is pending so you can score and then you still go on the power play and one of the things that I was talking to someone about on on uh, on Thursday morning, Elliot, was how many penalty minutes vanish every season by teams scoring on delayed penalties because the player doesn't go and serve those minutes. Just as a curiosity, because I just have to say I, I've never wondered about this at all. <laughs> you have a more fulfilling life than I do, Elliot Friedman. I think we've established that. Now, here's the big one. Short-handed goals erase current minor penalty. If a short-handed team scores, the minor penalty against will end. Well, first of all, let me just say I'm really happy for you, Jeff, because I know one of your goals it was to get <laughs> something that you wanted, a rule, into hockey. And I'm, I'm not saying this as a joke. I, I am legitimately <laughs> very happy for you because I think it's great. I, first of all, I think it's a great role. I'm glad someone is trying it. Yeah. I wish the NHL would do it. I think it's fantastic for you. I, I really do. Like, you know, I'm not a big believer in legacies, Jeff. I, I, I think once you're gone, people move on. I, I don't believe in legacies. Yeah. But I really think that that is a great thing that. Uh, You'll always be able to say there's a Merrick rule, like there's a rule in the sport that you champion. I'm, I think it's great. I'm really happy for we'll, it. We'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Like, I, I, trust me, Elliot. Like, I've bored so many people around the NHL with this idea. Um, some find it amusing. Some dismiss it quickly. Some are of the mind, you know. Well, let me let me think about it and and get back to you. But like you, I'm I'm just glad that there is a league that is going to try it now. Someone, another another friend of mine uh, in Finland sent me a note saying that he suspected that this might be Jorgen Lindgren's plan all along. Doesn't know where he got these ideas from, but it sounds like Jorgen Lindgren, who's the president of Champions League, and he was also uh, involved in the harmonization of the IIHF and NHL rule books, hmm. that it might be him that put all of this together. So that's another chase for me. And if anyone uh, anyone in Europe knows the answer to that, where all of this came from, 
and maybe your favorite goofy little hockey podcast had a little part in it. <laughs> Please send along the information. But uh, you made me a very happy person this week. NHL, pay attention. This is a great rule. So on that note, Elliot, Taking Us Out is a trio that met while studying music in the Netherlands, but now reside in Berlin. Say Yes Dog is a project that gives all three members an opportunity to inspire each other while evolving organically. From their 2019 record Voyage, here's Say Yes Dog with Feel Better. 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Right there, come along. Don't know how this can be wrong. It's difficult, but still there's us. Different moon, only I don't know where Should we forget or should we repair? You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences, People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.